This is Next Level, an Align Life Pro real life case study that follows the queen of coaching, Kristen Tabbert, and New York Times bestselling author, Michael Linton, as they guide me, Mike Andolfo, a small business owner, on a journey to triple my business. We invite you to join us so that we can all learn to become better leaders that know how to work on their business and not just in their business. All right, welcome back to the Alon Life Pro. I'm Mike Andolfo, and I'm joined, as always, by New York Times bestselling author Michael Lennington and the queen of coaching, Kristen Tabbert. And we've also got Carl Miller and Scott Wurzbacher. This is part two of a conversation um, where uh, these two fine gentlemen who are very influential in my life uh, decided to take us a little hike up the side of the largest peak in Africa, Mount Kilimanjaro. So uh, today we're going to focus on uh, the lessons learned uh, while on their hike. And um, we were kind of talking before, Scott, the lesson started for you the first time you kind of met your God. Is that is that what I understand? Tell, tell everyone that kind of story. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, the, the whole thing was was lessons, right? It was applying the lessons we'd learned up to that point and then all the new lessons that came forth. But but yeah, I think what you're referring to is uh, when we got when we first arrived in Africa, uh, we did a debriefing the day before we started our climb. And um, and our guide, who has summited Kilimanjaro over 500 times, like somebody that's done it that many times, you listen to him, right? Um, but uh, he did such a great job. And, and his whole focus of this debriefing was how what we were about to do is a mental game. Um, this was so much more of a mental um, accomplishment than it was a physical accomplishment. And essentially, he told us to trust him. He reminded us that we were going to go slowly. And as far as the mental game goes, I thought it was so interesting because he told us all the things that we could expect to happen. Nausea, headaches, um, you know, whether the, the effects of the altitude sickness. Um, but he encouraged us not to really talk about them to the other people on our team. So in other words, if I'm feeling a little bit nauseous, don't grab Carl and say, Hey, Carl, I'm feeling nauseous. Are you feeling nauseous? Or, or if Carl's got a headache and he's maybe said something about his headache, not to necessarily check in with him every five minutes and say, how's your head? How's your head? Cause it's going to like, just make these, make these issues as worse and worse and make us think about them more and more. And uh, so the idea is, you know, let's just stay focused on the goal. Let's just keep breathing. And let's just keep moving forward because as soon as we start to doubt our abilities to get to the top of the mountain, that's when it all falls apart. I can only imagine Carl Miller trying to go slowly, slowly at the beginning because uh, Carl doesn't do anything slow. He wants to, whenever I've hiked with Carl in the past, we've done it in like kind of a group and it's like, Hey, where's Carl? And Carl's like hanging off the side of a cliff or something like that. And like, you know, trying to push the level of his interest. So Carl, was it hard for you to go slow? That's because you didn't climb with me at high altitude. Um, like <laughs> That's what it was. Experience. Once you get above, <laughs> you know, 13,000 feet, it's a whole different animal. Uh -huh. um, and altitude will force you to slow down. That's a fact. Uh -huh. so, yeah, Forcing you know, yourself so, to slow down is not bad, is it? You know what? It was a really, that was one of the lessons we learned is the word pole pole. And that's Swahili for slowly, slowly. And that was one of the life lessons that we learned is that to climb a big mountain you know, sometimes you just got to slow down and, and I'm kind of the guy that pushes things, right? I'll, you know, whether it's running a, running a race or running or climbing up a mountain, I tend to just go as fast as I can. And then once my heart rate gets up, I'll stop and gasp for air on the side of the mountain and get my 
strength back and go again. But what Gotti, our amazing guide, taught us is that if you just go really slow the whole time, you're conserving your energy and you're empowering your body to push through and have the reserves left for the summit, you know, in a few days. So that was a great, that was a great life lesson. Sometimes to hit a big goal, slow down to go to get there, slow down to go fast, so to speak. And um, that was, that was just a really, really great lesson that I learned on the mountain for sure. So that lesson that you learned when you came back to the real world and, and the grind of the day to day, how have you been incorporating that or has it been a struggle to kind of incorporate that? Uh, it's always been a struggle in my life. <laughs> it is. I mean, I, I tend to just go for it. And uh, so execution is something that I'll just go and just charge ahead without really planning it out. Right. Or so what I'm getting better at, Kristen, in answer to your question, is just blocking off time slots in my calendar. And sometimes, uh, you know, one of the things I've incorporated recently is I'm just taking off Tuesday mornings and it's just a recharge time mentally. It's time to spend time with my wife and it's just time to reflect and just not get caught into the craziness of the five-day work week that the office offers chaos for, right? So it's just intentionally stepping back and spending time with people important in my life and just spending time, you know, even with, with myself, with some introspection. All right, Michael. Um, so how high can lions climb? <laughs> I have no idea. Scott, well, here's what I'm, I've got a follow-up question to that. And it's this, um, so when you talk about this, this exertion, you know, run, rest, or just continual plotting, um, and, you know, I, I don't know, I don't know where, what the, the ecosystem is around Kilimanjaro, but I would guess there's a couple things that can somehow hurt you, whatever, and you can fall bumping on rocks on the way down can hurt. Um, you know, I don't know all the other stuff that could possibly happen climbing a mountain cause I've never done it, but, but, um, why would you do that? Why, why was, why were you guys so enthralled with climbing a mountain and, and, why is that something that you'd even think about doing? Cause it, I haven't heard anything like, Hey, we were, you know, we were sipping on bourbon and having a great time around the campfire. It didn't, none of that, but it was more, it was more like a drudge up the hill, trudge up the hill. So I just curious, Scott, why don't you take that one? Yeah. I mean, that, that's a, that's a big question. And, uh, and actually if you listen to my podcast, inspire campfire, you will hear all kinds of stories of why people, um, go after these big adventures. And, you know, for me, uh, I believe we have a voice inside ourselves that calls us to adventure and everybody's got a different adventure. And I think that, uh, something like Kilimanjaro is, first of all, it's just, it's awe inspiring. Awe is one of my favorite words. And, uh, the definition, which I talk about on the podcast all the time is a reverential respect mixed with fear and wonder. And I love this. So, you know, this idea that you're going to climb to 19,341 feet and you could experience all kinds of injuries, you could experience altitude sickness. I mean, there's a fear there, right? But there's also this wonder, like what could happen and what, what, what's going to happen to me when I get to the top? What's going to happen when I actually achieve this thing and how's it going to feel? And, you know, Carl and I now have done that, that particular adventure and we know what that felt like. And I can tell you that when we got to the top of Mount Kilimanjaro, which I didn't know that I was going to get to the top until we were actually there. That's a fact. And when we got there, you kind of come around this corner and all of a sudden you see this sign for Stella Point, which is not quite the summit, but it's, it's once you get there, you know, you've made it right. And I come around the corner and this just euphoria 
came over me. I mean, it was emotion. It was like this joy, but it was also like just all of a sudden tears just start like it was super emotional. And uh, and it's because like, you know, we had just we grinded it out for five days to get to that point. And, you know, this sort of like all the worry or overcoming the worry thoughts and overcoming the physical um, the feelings of nausea and the headaches and all of these things. And it's just this this intense uh, sense of accomplishment that you've gotten through all of that suffering. Uh, and, and, you know, on my podcast, I've talked to a lot of different people about these kinds of challenges and suffering comes up over and over again. It's, you know, a, a lot of times in life, um, we actually create these sort of artificial challenges for ourselves so that we can overcome this suffering in order to feel that sense of accomplishment that follows. And it's Every real. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I, that's that's wonderful. And um, you reminded me as you were talking, Kennedy's speech at in uh, at Rice University way back before all of you guys were born. I was alive. Probably the only one on this call that was alive when he gave that speech. But anyway, um, he talked about going to the moon, and he said we we go we choose to go to the moon, and we choose to do so. I think in this generation, I, I'm going to mess it up. Um, not because it's easy, but because it's hard. It's going to call on us to give to do our very best and and to, and, to, and to do things that we wouldn't otherwise do. Again, I'm paraphrasing, but but you know, choosing a goal because it's hard can change you. It can change you. It changes as a nation. It can change you as an individual. And I think that's really powerful because a lot of times people look at big goals that, that may be more business related goals, but big audacious business goals. And they back away from them because of, I don't think I can get there, but I don't think I can get there as part of the right question. You, you know, you, you kind of got to put yourself out there and, and, and maybe I won't get there, right? Maybe I will fall down the mountain. Maybe I won't summit. Like you said, I didn't know I was going to summit till I got there. So there is some risk and uncertainty, but, but there's a huge amount of benefit. It sounds like that happens when you do that sort of thing. And, and, and I just, I'm in awe of that. I think that's amazing. I'm in awe yeah. by this, the, the thought process of this guide, because right off the bat, the guide sets the tone for the culture that no negative thoughts are going to creep in here, that we're going to, yeah. that we're going to kind of shield ourselves from the negativity. Scott mentioned that the guide's done this 500 times, but also talking to Carl, I also get the sense that he didn't forget that it was your all's first time. And then just how, again, one of the key parts yeah. of the 12 week year is our, our theme of accountability and the guide holding you guys capable, right. To, and that's, and, and knowing the ownership over your journey that you just talked about, Scott. I mean, I just think that there was so much to learn from as a business leader from this guide, Carl, you want to expand on that a little bit? Yeah, no, I would 100% agree with that. I mean, so here's, I mean, and for me, that was probably the, one of the biggest life lessons I learned about just trusting our guide. Scott mentioned that our guide had been up on that mountain over 500 times. The way people so trust guy, us, by the way. This guy had experience. So what I just loved was just watching him. Like he was, he, he always set the expectations. He, he was very in tune with our needs. He was, you know, when I was almost puking, didn't quite, but coming down when I was acclimating, we went to 15,000 feet one day and we're coming back down to camp, the Baranca, Baranca camp that night, which was at 13,000 feet. And when you went, and by the way, we talked about going slowly, you, you acclimate, right? You go up, you go back down, you go up and your body takes time to acclimate. So it takes time to get your body in position to reach a peak. That's another life lesson is that you don't just go to this brand new height that you've never been to before without some time taking place for your body to acclimate. And that's, that's another life lesson. But, but long story short is when I had that headache, like my guide was instantly right there. He's like, Carl, how you doing? You know, what's going on? Okay, here's what's going to happen. You're, you're going to get down to camp. 
you're going to feel better this evening. You know, this is your body. This is a good thing. Having this headache right now is a good thing. Your body's telling you that it's, it's acclimating. Okay. So it's one thing to hear your guide say that with confidence, but had, had Scott and I just been climbing by ourselves without that voice in my head, it would have been like, this is only day three. We're only at 13,000 feet. We've got to get to, to 19,000 feet. There's no way I'm going to do this. Like this would have been the voices in my head, but having this guide here, he's like, Hey, this is normal. This is what happens. Yeah, everything's going to be okay. You're going to feel better this evening after you lay down for a little bit. Like it just gives you that confidence. And so you're right. Your guide is just such a, our guides in this trip were so such a valuable resource. And I learned if I just trusted them, then I could summit this mountain. And it was, it was just a great experience. And I loved it because they were in tune with us. They, every day they would set the expectation for what's going to happen the next day. Here's what we're going to do. Here's what you're going to experience. And uh, it just, it just was a, just a, just a joy to just follow our guide, our trusted advisor, if you will. And it was a lesson for me as a, as a leader and influencer in my company. Okay. My clients are going through things. They're going to have headaches. They're going to have pain. It's going to feel impossible. How can I come alongside of them and, and let them know this is normal. It's normal for a seller or a buyer mm -hmm. to be really emotional and to make unreasonable demands and requests in the heat of the moment of emotion. This is normal. It's not unreasonable, you know, and, uh, and just get people to the finish line. Yeah, I want to tack on to that real quick because one of the things like I, I consciously made a decision. I don't remember when a couple of days into the trip, maybe it was when I started first feeling symptoms, but our guide Gotti 500 times up the mountain, he's seen it all, right? He's seen the different kinds of illnesses. He's had to rush people down. Like he knows when somebody's at that point where they need to stop, right? I have no idea. I've, I've never had major altitude sickness before. I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't know what it's going to feel like. He told us at that debriefing meeting that it's normal to throw up, right? If I start throwing up, like I'm going to be paying, I'm going to be like, this isn't, this isn't good. I need to stop. Right. But he told us that was normal. So I made a decision, like I'm going to let him decide when it, when it, if the point comes where I can't go any further, that's going to be, it's going to be his choice, not mine. <laughs> I'm going to trust him to tell me when it's time for me to turn around and go back down. And, uh, and I'm glad I did make that decision in that case. Cause he just, he was far more experienced than me and um, you know, it paid. And uh, you know, I can tell you the stories about summit night and, 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 the, and the, the hardships that we had to struggle going up that mountain. Um, but I kept checking in with him every, every time we'd take a break and you know, he didn't seem concerned. So I'm like, okay, let's keep going. Because he has been, <clears throat> excuse me, up and down that mountain 500 times. I mean, I'm sure because of the altitude changes, he still has acclimations that has to happen or, or that do happen. But because he's done it so many times, has he become conditioned that his, his acclimation changes are almost subtle if, if they don't appear existent at all? The point I'm trying to make is... I, I got to assume because he's your trusted advisor, he's not getting as sick as anybody else or has the headaches as anybody else does because he's practiced this so many times. hundred percent. I don't know the science behind it, but I mean, I think like once you're acclimated, I, I mean, I'm pretty sure you can kind of just go up and down. I don't, I'm not really even sure if he has major, major impacts. 
So that's the point I wanted to bring back to leadership. You know, when we bring this back to our organizations, when we bring this back to the team, we don't want to just let it be a one and done. We have to keep practicing so that we are so acclimated that there's, you know, the little glitches or the little headaches that we we are experiencing. Nobody else notices it because of we are so acclimated in our, our leadership then. Well, Kristen, you know, it's a funny point because we did this trip during COVID times, right? And uh, Carl knows what I'm about to say. We had, there were porters on our, on our climb that um, b- because of COVID, they hadn't been doing as many climbs. And so these guys that have been up and down the mountain, up and down the mountain, um, they hadn't done a climb in several months. And so they came out for our climb and a couple of them, it was their first time in a few months. And so they hadn't acclimatized and they could feel it. And so some of the porters, you know, had, were a little bit slower than they would have been. And it was a little bit harder for them. And so super interesting. I mean, to your point, like even as leaders, like you can't just do it once and then say, okay, I'm good. Like it's that repetition and it's that constant practice. And if you take a little bit of time off, you're going to lose your acclimatization in that case. You're going to lose. Absolutely. So you definitely have to, you got to keep after it for sure. Boomer. Well, I didn't know if you were going to jump in Mike, but, um, I liked that. I liked what you said about that. Reframe the headache um, as proof that you're making progress. I mean that that is. We talk to our clients about the value of despair and the, and the emotional cycle of change. You know, when you get to that pain point, um, you, you you can frame it, reframe it as okay. It's not that it's uncomfortable. This is just evidence that I'm actually changing, that I'm getting closer to where I want to go, and that can be reinforcing. And it sounds like you did that. That's what the headache is reinforcement. I'm on the right path, and it's in it. It, when you reframe it like that, did I don't know. I mean, I wasn't there, but it seems like it'd be easier to kind of handle the symptoms when you kind of look at them as evidence of progress versus, oh man, this hurts. Yeah, I could just say though, in the moment, like that was the last thing on my mind. <laughs> like, it, just, it sucked, it hurt, right? Yeah. And it's like, man, because, you know, I had never been above 15,000 feet before up to that point. And that day we were at 15,000 feet, felt great there. But coming back down to 13,000 feet, that's when that's when she so felt like Mike Gandolfo, is what you're saying at that point. I, I just know it felt really bad. And, uh, you know, and again, without that voice saying, Hey, this is normal. This is, again, I just want to reemphasize the fact that in the moment, like that was the last thing in my mind. Oh, this is normal. This is great. This is the way it's supposed to be because <laughs> it sucked at the moment. And, yeah. uh, but then having that trusted advisor just come along and say, Hey, this is normal. This is good. This means your body's acclimating. It was just a little, it didn't, it didn't make the pain go away, but mentally it was, it was good to just hear those words. Sure. Not only that, Carl, but he gave you milestones. He said, you know, when you get to 13,000 feet, so you had a target that you were, every step you took was bringing you closer to that pain relief. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Cause we'd been at 15,000, we were dropping to 13 and the next day we were going to go back up again. But you're so right. Can I go back, though, to the question uh, Mike asked earlier, which is, you know, why do it? Or maybe it's you, Michael. Why, why do it? You know, and I, I just say this. When you get outside of your com- – growth happens outside of your comfort zone. So when you do a big mountain or you do something new and something uncomfortable, that's, that's where growth happens. And the experience, when you do something that's very uncomfortable, it takes you way out of your comfort zone and pushes your body or pushes your mind to new levels – that experience will strengthen your body and mind for the next challenge. And, and you get better. You get better, not just physically, but you get better mentally. And the experience also just creates really amazing camaraderie 
with the people that you climb with. I mean, Scott and I have a relationship that's different than it has ever been in the past, and it's going to be different moving forward because we experience that hard thing together. And I think also there's an empathy that occurs. Like we came back down, and there was a there was a couple of people who were at the hotel that day who did not summit, and you know you kind of feel for them. You you just allow it, when you go through something like that, it allows empathy for those who may have tried and just didn't have the same outcome you did. Um, and then lastly, I'll just share this. It, it also, and this is something that caught me by surprise, but doing something epic and hard like this and doing an adventure, it also inspires others. And as a leader, like all of a sudden it's crazy. Like I've had people now come to me saying, man, I just booked a trip to Kilimanjaro. I know you did it. And I just booked a trip with my best friend that happened twice since I've been back. And they said, you inspired me to do it as well. So I think that when you go outside of your comfort zone and do something hard like that, like there's, there's an inspiration that happens where you can raise the level of expectations. You can raise the level of adventure in other people's lives by doing something hard. So those are a few takeaways I had, just why do it? And um, that, that, that last one about inspiring others was kind of a surprise to me, but it was also pretty rewarding as, as a leader. So I have two questions out of that. So when you came back, there's kind of that, that let down now, you know, I did this thing and now I'm back to my practice. I'm back to my family. I'm, I'm back to the daily normalcy, whatever, whatever that may be. So then my next question is, well, first of all, how do you handle that? And does that inspire you to what's next? And I really want to ask what's next for both of you. Yeah, I'll start with that question too. I did have that experience when I came back from, my RV trip a little bit, but this one here, it, I did not have a letdown at all. It, it built momentum in my world for me. I came back just so fired up to just create better business practices, be a better person. And as far as the what's next question, I don't have an answer to that. I really don't. Like I don't have another venture in my bucket list right now, but I'm, I'm just striving to refine and, and get my processes better. And I, there's one that's going to come to me. Uh, I have a couple of trips I want to do, but nothing this big or this hard. But uh, I don't have the next adventure in my head, Kristen. Okay. Scott, do you? Yeah. I, I, there's so Let's many. Go verbalize it. Here it is. This is big. <laughs> so, so many thoughts <laughs> that are going through my head. But I have to just share with you because um, when I was, I remember when I was going up that mountain thinking to myself, like, especially on summit night, this sucks. This is really hard. Like, okay, I'm here. I've traveled all the way to Africa. I've spent all this money. Like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to keep going until I either at the top, but I don't ever need to come back and do this again because this, this is really hard. Okay. Now I remember that conscious thought. All right. When I got back from Africa, like Carl said, you inspire other people. Like so many people want to talk about this trip. Right. And the funny thing about it is that the recollection piece, it, it must be like childbirth. I, you know, I, I can't, can't, can't speak from experience, but like the more I talk about it, the more I want to go back. <laughs> and I, I remember that conscious thought that how bad it was and how bad I didn't want to go back, but like, I just get away from it. And now I'm like ready. And when people tell me, Hey Scott, like that really inspired me. I want to go to Kilimanjaro. My first thought is, can I come with you? <laughs> <That's awesome. laughs> 
<laughs> so, so I, I mean, I just love that. I mean, in terms of uh, what's next, I mean, you know, I think that I've, I've been inspired to double down on this vision board that I've created. I've, I've been inspired to create new pictures. And as I said, the podcast that I've got, I mean, every week I'm talking to somebody that's, that's done a different adventure and, you know, 90% of them are adventures that I want to go do. Um, and so like this summer, my family and I are going to go to, uh, Yosemite and, um, you know, I just gotta keep getting after the, the, the things that are on my vision board. And, um, you know, I, I think I could talk for a long time about just, just that, but, uh, but I'll stop there for now. That's awesome. Maybe you can bivouac on uh, half dome, like not in the next trip. Yeah, there sleep you go. on the side of the dome. <laughs> um, so, so grill cup, this is amazing. So there's like a million things I could ask and Mike, Mike, Mike's looking at you. Shut up, buddy. And so, um, but I got to ask a couple more questions. I can't stop myself. Um, so two things you said, so Carl, you talked about this trip out West and the RV <clears throat> is different than the trip to Kilimanjaro. And you guys just kind of described how that trip changed you. Um, but the, the RV trip, other than probably parking the RV in a Walmart lot or something, you probably didn't have any challenges driving around the West, right? I mean, it's pretty, it was fun, amazing, awesome, but you weren't personally challenged, right? So you kind of went to a place, this is my amateur psychology crap coming up, but you went to a place, but, but Kilimanjaro, you, we went to you, right? You kind of went to this, this, you bumped into the edges of what you guys were capable of. It sounds like, and, and I want to give up. And all of us have those thoughts when we have a big goal and it's struggling. It's like, uh, I could just give up. I could stop the pain. Like right now I go out and hang down in the, at the hotel with the other folks who couldn't climb by the pool and, you know, whatever. And I can stop the pain right now. So that temptation is always there. I could stop this pain. Right. And, and you, the, the, the decision not to stop the pain to, to walk through that Valley changed you both. Right. I mean, it sounds like neither one of you are the same as you were before you went to the mountain. Is that fair to say? And so um, I'm just, I'm just in, in awe of you guys. And I think what I also heard though, was that vision board is now even more powerful than it was before you went, because now you're like pulling other stuff and saying, this is, this is something, you know, Scott, you were talking about that vision board is I'm going back to it. I'm going back to it. And you kind of train yourself to be, you know, I mean, anyway, I, I'm not even asking a question. I just, just kind of reiterating what you said, but I just, this blew me away. It's great. Really, really don't, great. don't undervalue the uh, emotional hardship and mental hardship of the RV trip either. There was plenty of times when fighting with the family and arguing about where we <laughs> no, go next, breaking and, down and, the side of the road. Do we have to hip hop? He had a, like, if you ever seen Chevy Chase's family vacation, like even the, the family <laughs> member dying even occurred on the trip, all that stuff. Uh, <laughs> it was, it was, you know, the person wasn't in the RV, I guess I should say, but I mean, he, he had all kinds of challenges that happened on that RV right, trip. So you, YouTube becomes your friend when you're, when you're in an RV. I'll just say that. <laughs> How do you fix the solenoid putting the jacks down? Right. Yeah. Sorry. Michael, I think you're right though. I mean, you know, I think, a lot of it is just like showing yourself how capable that you are. And I think like even the Kilimanjaro trip, like there were nuances of that trip. Like we were focusing on like how hard the, the altitude was, but like for me, I've never traveled to Africa before. I've never like, you know, I did a work trip to Europe once, but like going to Africa, like just that alone, like I, I had a lot of anxiety around that. Like we went during COVID times, we had to like, we had to take COVID tests just to get on the plane. We had to take a COVID test when we got there. Like I had anxiety around like, well, what happens if I get to Tanzania and I don't pass the COVID test? Now I have to quarantine in Tanzania. Like what, what's that going to be all about? And I had all kinds of anxiety around that. But, you know, now that I've been there and I've been back, like 
I now know what it's like to fly internationally through Qatar to Kilimanjaro International Airport. I know like, you know, the town of uh, Moshi, Tanzania, it was a delightful town, but it was completely, I thought it was going to be a tourist destination. It wasn't. Uh, I mean, it was, you know, very, we, we got to see what the local economy looks like and it was com culturally completely eye-opening for me. It just, you know, never seen anything like that before. And so for me, just the cultural awareness, just the experience, the whole thing, it just kind of changed my whole level of confidence. And, you know, it's, it's given me like, well, if I could travel to Tanzania, where else in the world could I travel? And I'm going to, the next time I travel somewhere, I'm going to have a whole lot less of that anxiety because, you know, I've done it before I can do it again. Awesome. It's awesome. Uh, you actually, you one of your old guys uh, didn't make it to Tanzania, but couldn't make it on the trip because he tested positive before you left, right? Yeah. Did you yeah. have somebody? Yeah. Yeah, that was my brother. Yeah, he was uh, planning on going, and this was kind of a big trip for him. And, uh, you know, there's, I mean, I still don't know what the outcome of that's going to be, except that, you know, he was overcoming a major physical challenge. He trained really hard for six months, and uh, he was just devastated because he couldn't go because he yeah. couldn't pass a, a trip. But um, out of that, he did um, – go to another uh, weekend retreat uh, with Wim Hof, who is his hero. Wim oh. Hof is the breathing expert, the, the ice man, wow. we call him. And, and uh, he had been practicing Wim Hof techniques to, to be able to accomplish this, you know, from a, from a physical challenge that he has. Uh, so he was capable of making this trip. So anyway, he wouldn't have experienced that. And we don't know the end of the story out of that, but it was very hard on him not being able to go. Scott's the person who introduced me to Wim Hof and I've been fascinated ever since. So there you go. Uh, yeah. So, all right. Uh, and I want to kind of go back to this because, when I achieved my major goal in 2017 of taking my dad and the rest of my family to Italy, uh, I remember coming back and having that, you know, the lack of direction or the, like, what's, you know, just feeling like I was in a hole. Carl's the one who actually kind of reached down and kind of picked me up and grabbed me out of that hole and got me, got me going again. Uh, and now uh, when this airs, I'll be on my way back from Italy uh, for the second time with my family again. And it's just the reframing of the whole trip is, uh, pretty amazing because now i'm using this as a springboard towards my ultimate vision like I, I go back and look at the at that first trip and how it helped um, create my ideal life vision that we we talk about how important that is and then now when i'm going back to the league, like i've got action steps to help springboard me towards that vision and i feel like i'm going to come back from this trip more empowered to make things happen than ever before it's going to become like i'm starting to make this vision a reality so um yeah i don't want to i don't want to take away Kristen, from what you said i kind of blew it off because i experienced that letdown i did a big adventure in 2017 as well where i went to china and i remember I mean, oh, yeah. we built up for that for gosh a year and a half trained trained really hard and did this marathon on the great wall of china and coming back, I remember like just feeling really empty, like what now? Like I just, and so I can totally relate to the question, but this time for this particular trip, it, it launched a spring pad. It just was a springboard for me about becoming more excited. And I know Scott's going through, you know, some pursuing some adventures and a personal, you know, trip that he's going that, that he probably wouldn't have been able to go on without this trip. So I think that big adventures like this can launch you to the next one. And, and life is just a growth process. It's ups and downs, just like we acclimated up and down, up and down to get to a summit. You know, the reality is you hit that summit, but then that empowers you for the next one. And I think that for me, I just came back with a, maybe a little mature mindset about this is not the end of my life. This is a springboard to the next adventure. And I don't know what that is for myself yet, 
but it's really cool to see things playing out for Scott. And, and Mike, I would say the same thing for you. I love how you're using this trip to Italy as a, as a springboard to the next phase of your life. And you got some big goals around Italy and keep pursuing them. I think it's great. Yeah. I think it's really, really important. I mean, I think it's part of the process to have that sort of recovery time. I'm going to call it recovery time, but after any, you know, big accomplishment, whether it's a marathon, right? It's some kind of a physical thing, but you got to have that time for recovery. And I think a lot of times, especially realtors, like we're the, these A personalities that were like immediately ready to just jump into the next thing. And, And it's hard not to, but I think it's really important that we take that time to recover and like, and let that, whatever that next adventure is, whatever that next thing is, like, you know, let it, let it come, let, let it, let it flow. We don't necessarily have to just jump right into something and, and get going again. And, you know, I think, yes, it does feel a little bit uncomfortable and there's that kind of period of uncertainty, but I think that's all part of the process. But that tension to, to both your, your points, that tension is where growth occurs. And if we can keep connected to that tension when we come back, that's what's going to really propel us into that next thing that we do. We don't come back and just become complacent and comfortable again. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Cause, cause I, I, this is a complex question, but, um, when, when you have a goal that you've kind of organized your life around, you know, you're, you're working out, you're dieting a certain way. Um, you're, you're, you're spending time getting the work ready, your business ready for you to be away. There's a lot of prep stuff you're doing. And some of it's really good. I mean, the, the, the working out, the, the exercise, the, the diet and all that stuff. And these habits are great. But when you have that moment, when the goal is a moment and then it's over, um, there's kind of a show hole effect. And, and for me anyway, and so um, I don't know, I, this isn't about me, but I wrote a book. We just finished it up last December. And um, I kind of organized my life around that book. Mike? I was oh. pointing to the Uncommon Accountability book. That's oh, okay, okay, yeah. okay. I thought, I thought you already had something to say. Yeah, it's okay, on the you're screen. signaling no. me. I got to stop here. No. Um, anyway, so at the end of that slog, and and it was a slog. I won't tell you all the stuff that was sloggy about it, but it was it was not easy, and and there was a lot of um, uncertainty in the book too. I didn't know if we were going to sum it. I didn't know if we we're going to finish the book. I, it, in the middle of it, I didn't know if we had anything to say, which is scary because you got a contract and you've already spent some of the money that gave you to write the darn thing. And so, um, you know, and I'd written a book before, but it was easy because it was just something I'd already, we'd already laid it out. This was a completely unknown area for us. Um, we are just creating something out of whole cloth. And even though it was based on the truth we had, it wasn't necessarily written. And so we just organized our lives around it. And, um, the, the deadline got pushed back and then, and then it was just a huge slog. And then once we were done, there was this empty hole. There was just nothing there. And, and I, I just, I just stopped. I mean, everything just stopped. And, um, you know, it's, it's, and I'm still kind of in that hole, aren't I, Kristen? And not, not from a mental perspective. I think perspective, a little bit. Yeah. It's, but, you know, the that's, purpose, the purpose wasn't there anymore. That intense focus that you had on yeah, trying to push gone. that across the finish line. We've just got some, you've got some ambiguity right now. You have right. all these things ahead of you that you could do, that you want to do, that sounds fun, but you're not, it, that intense focus isn't there any longer. But, I, but what Scott was just saying, though, Made, made me feel a little bit better about that. Cause I, I, I agree with you. This recovery time is important because you know, you, it may not be climbing a mountain, but there's a lot of mental pain that goes through writing, at least for me. Um, probably not for people who can actually write, but for me, it was difficult. And so, um, that recovery time is you got to give yourself the grace to have it. You, you know, you, you've got to give, give you, your, 
your, yourself some space because it because there are some things in life that really take all your energy and then when they're gone you can recover and i think that that's an important thing and as leaders you guys you know have to give yourself the grace to do that um can i shameless self-promote for just a second mike sure yeah absolutely and we should probably wrap this up but yeah. yeah okay so so um all of that effort we we just i just found out from my publisher wiley that they've nominated us to be book of the year for the financial times in in the uk so awesome. that would that would be awesome but i know we got michigan or did never say michigan freudian slip detroit's got a better chance of winning the super bowl this year then we have a B in that book, but I just feel oh, that's like, not true. That's not true. Come on, that's not true. Maybe, maybe the Browns. We got the like, Browns. At least, hey, they're in the NFL, so they have a shot. They have a shot, exactly. And and here's the thing, and I think Carl and Scott, you can agree with this. Was it really super cool to say you you hit the goal, you climbed Mount Kilimanjaro, but greatness didn't happen at the culmination when you crossed that finish line. Greatness happened the moment you decided to do this and to take the action needed to get there. You committed yourself to the process and day in and day out, you did what you had to do to be prepared for yeah. this. Yeah. So same thing with your book, Boomer, you know, you get it, you get it. You don't get it. It's, it's greatness happens when you wrote the book. The validation is you've been chosen. You've been nominated. That doesn't happen to a lot of people, you know, but it doesn't mean the book's great or not great because you get that nomination. They say, sure, yes, you're sure. the book of the year. Well, yeah. If I could, if I could just add on to that real quick. I mean, the fact is you just have to do it, right? You can mm -hmm. sit around and talk about it, philosophize it. about it, plan it. But until you just commit and write the check and grab the reservation and then just get out there and just start walking, yep. you know, for climbing Kilimanjaro. Cause I mean, really it is a walk up a mountain. You're not doing anything technical or rope ropes or ice ice picks and hard hats. I mean, yes, there's preparation and that's part of the things we learn too, but gosh, you know what? Just do it. And and if you're just out there just walking it, whether it's running a marathon, whatever, you get out there and just start running and mm -hmm. um, writing a book, just start writing pages down. Scott, you know, climbing a mountain, you know, just, just show up and start climbing. And I think that you can't underestimate the value of just action steps. Love it. I think that's a great way to end. Uh, Scott and Carl, thank you very much for joining thank us you. on the Online Life Pro. And uh, next thank week, you. we will be recording our last episode in June. And it will be a recap of uh, me coming back from Italy. Not talking of, you know, we're not sharing like family photos or anything like that, but like the, uh, the lessons to help us propel forward as Kristen is going to continually help me define and get me out of my comfort zone so that we can have this growth. So, uh, she has permission to do so. Mr. Boomer Lennington. How do I get a hat like that? What you have I to leave him a review. Mm -hmm. You have to listen to his show and leave him a review. Um, okay. Thank you. Their hats are fantastic, by the way. They, they look are, fantastic. They're really comfortable. So, all right. And then make sure you check out either the Carl Miller show or uh, Inspire Campfire. Scott Wurzbacher, if you want some other great uh, listening pleasures, especially, you know what? You know, Lynchburg, Virginia is a great place to buy some investment property, right, Carl? So you might want to get some of that insider knowledge. Uh, about the Lynchburg market. So uh, there we go. We'll, uh, we'll see you guys next time on the Align Life Pro.